Welcome to the next episode of Cozy On Up in NC Cardinal. Each episode is a journey through a cozy mystery theme or author that is available in NC Cardinal. If you've got a cozy mystery topic or question you'd like me to look into in a future episode, just post it in the comments on our social media or in the episode Q&A in Spotify. Or join our Goodreads group or Amazon Book Club group to discuss it online with others. The links for all of that will be posted in the episode description. For today's episode, in honor of National Garden Month, we are going to finally get a chance to jump into the gardening subgenre of cozy mysteries. There are so many to pick from for this. Um, I'm going to mention uh, several in this series. There's a lot more hopefully we can get to in the future. Um, a lot more listed in our Amazon book club that you could read if you wanted to. Um, but for now, for this month, uh, just to try and keep it manageable, uh, focusing on the Flower Shop Mystery Series by Kate Collins. Um, this has the unique distinction of having been adapted into a Hallmark Movies and Mystery Series that starred Brooke Shields as Abby Knight, Brennan Elliott as the romantic interest, interest Marco Salvare, and Beau Bridges as Abby's dad, Jeffrey. Um, there were three episodes in that series, which is usually how they start them. It's just whether they get extended into more episodes. Um, so the descriptions for the book series, so if you'd like to read these books, and for the Hallmark Movie and Mystery episode movie description, both of those will be in the podcast description. So for the book series, there are 22 titles in this series, so plenty to read if you like this. Um, one to two came out about every year. There was a little slowdown in 2020 uh, due to a new series that she started. Um, the last one was published in August 2020. The Jillian Knight Osborne Fashionista Diaries was published as number 23. Kind of jumps out of the rhythm of most of the titles and it has a completely different cover than the prior novels. Um, it came out in November 2020. But it looks like basically at that point, she stopped it in favor of some new series that she's working on. Maybe she'll get back to it at some point, but for right now, it's kind of tapped out at 23. The 23rd one, of course, is slightly different than the others. All of these are available in NC Cardinal. You can get them in very easily. They're in the mass market uh, paperback size book. The main character, of course, is Abby Knight. Now, in the books, she has quit law school in order to own a flower shop named Bloomers that is based in New Chapel, Indiana. Now, she wanted the flower shop because she had not done well in law school. She had enough money saved up to go ahead and buy that and start a different career. And she had learned a lot about plants from her grandmother. And she had even worked at this store part-time during school. So she bought it from the owner. The owner, former owner now, is Lottie Dombowski. Um, who is now uh, Abby's assistant. She is very skilled at floral design and at cooking. Um, she's the former owner of Bloomers who had to sell it to Abby in order to help clear her husband's medical debt. Then she also has another assistant in the shop, Grace Bingham, who is British. She's a former nurse, also a former top-notch legal secretary, who gave Abby the idea to add a coffee and tea parlor to the floral shop, which is really helping business. Abby has an ex-fiancé named Price Osborne II, who canceled their wedding um, after she quit law school. 
Lottie, her assistant, is trying to be the romantic uh, connector and is trying to get her to go out with uh, Deputy Prosecutor Gregory Morgan. So we have several ex-romance, romantic interests, possible current romantic interests. Her dad is Jeffrey Knight. He is an ex-cop, only an ex-cop due to the fact, sadly, that three years prior, he was shot by a drug dealer and nearly died on the operating table after he had a stroke. Um, he is now confined to a wheelchair, but he's he's doing well. Um, but he just, you know, he can't he can't be active on the force anymore. Her mother is Maureen, aka Mad Mo Knight, uh, Marine Knight. She is a teacher and an artist who has Abby sell her her own art that she makes at Abby's floral shop. Um, this leads to a lot of moments of hilarity, given the varied and strange things that Abby's mom makes and has her sell. Like, it's not like she only does teacups or only does vases or only does bowls or something. She's always trying different things between tables and large sculptures and pottery and all sorts of things. And then has Abby try and find a place in the shop to fit it and sell it. And price it, because her mother has no idea what it should be priced as. And poor Abby is stuck trying to figure out what to price it as. Um, but it does, some of it does sell, which always surprises Abby. Um, but it all makes for these just funny little moments in the stories. Um, Marco Salvari is the new owner of the nearby, it's like only two doors down from Abby's shop. It's called Down the Hatch Bar and Grill. He is an ex-cop, um, an ex-army ranger, and a licensed private investigator. So it's the perfect combination for Abby's own sense of, you know, getting out and righting the wrongs in the world and investigating things. It's having him come along and help. And of course, that makes for a third possible romantic interest. And Nikki is Abby's roommate. Um, and Nikki has a cat called Simon. So there's some additional hilarity and interaction there. So everything is not just focused on the investigation. You have, you know, the hilarity of the family situation, romantic interest, Abby's assistants and coworkers in the shop, plus her roommate and the cat. So there's always excitement and activity and funny stuff going on. Um, about the author, Kate Collins, she's a New York Times bestselling author of this series. This is the one she's, she's the first cozy mystery series she started with. She's an Indiana native, so we can see where she got her inspiration for setting um, this book there. It's because she's familiar with it. Kate graduated from Purdue University with a master's degree in education. She taught elementary school for six years. But after the birth of her first child, she gave up teaching to pursue her longtime dream of putting all these stories she had in her head onto paper. She started with a series of short children's stories. Then she sold her first historical romantic suspense novel in 1995. After writing seven of those, she then switched to another genre, mysteries, specifically cozy mysteries. Kate is very proud that the Flower Shop Mystery series has made the New York Times bestsellers list three times. Kate's latest cozy mystery series, the one that she's kind of focusing on now instead of Flower Shop, because she has done 23 of those. She's done very well, like, focusing on that. She now has a new idea she's focusing on. It is set in the quaint Michigan waterfront tourist town of Sequoia, Michigan. 
It's called The Goddess of Green Street Mystery Series, and it has a young mother as the main character. She's returning home to her large, loud, and ludicrous Greek family after suffering through a failed marriage and an unsatisfying career in the big city. So she's been kind of working on that since... Like November 2020, so basically the last book that came out in Flower Shop Mystery Series was also the same month that the first book for this uh, series came out. The third book in that series has come out November 2021, and maybe there's a Flower Shop Mystery novella that's also in the works, and she's, you know, she hasn't totally given up on it, but who knows when that may come out. Um, When she's not writing, Kate loves to garden, so we can kind of see where the flower and gardening interest came from for this series. Her other passions are yoga, travel, decorating, reading, spending time with family and friends, sampling great wines and fine dark chocolate. Ooh, that would be a good one for another cozy mystery series. And enjoying every moment of life. She lives in Northwest Indiana and in Key West, Florida. So, oh, maybe she'll write another series based out of Florida at some point. Maybe that great wines and fine dark chocolate interest can come up with a cozy mystery series set in Florida. Who knows? Um, For the entire book series, uh, so far having read three of them, I think the humor is great, um, as is the kind of well-meaning, but at times, bumbling nature of Abby's sleuthing. Um, That kind of really makes things actually flow. You'd think it'd be irritating, and it may be, depending on your kind of character interest, reader style interest. Um, Abby also tends to do quite a bit of sleuthing and analysis herself, so it's not like she has to get her roommate to go with her or her two co-workers. It's not like this is a Nancy Drew-esque, you know, group of friends and ladies running around solving mysteries. Um, they certainly sometimes help her think through things, but a lot of times they're telling her to be careful and, you know, quit doing that. It's dangerous. You know, you're being targeted. Um, you know, people are dying. Uh, so instead of... It just being like the amateur sleuth versus the, you know, cop in town, which certainly is a point of antagonism um, in this series. She's not like friends with the cops, but they do by at least the third and fourth book that I was reading. They are kind of starting to get at least a grudging respect for each other. Um, But Abby is actually doing quite a bit of this um, herself, and Marco is helping her. Um, Sometimes he's telling her to behave, and he's trying to step away so she doesn't get hurt. And she still plows ahead, and then other times he's right there with her. Um, So it certainly is its own unique dynamic. It's not exactly uh, cookie cutter compared to all the cozy mystery staples. Uh, Kate Collins has certainly done a good job crafting it and making it uniquely her own. Um, There's a lot of humorous situations. Her mother um, and even her ex-cop father, you know, surprisingly stay out of um, most of this investigation process. Um, They're just kind of there as adding humorous uh, family situations. And, you know, sometimes her dad is, you know, reminding her mom to, it's okay, be careful, you know, Abby's being careful, or, you know, Abby's an adult, she can do this. Um, But you don't really see, uh, surprisingly, the father having a large role as, like, sitting there mentoring or training Abby on how to do this. Um, This is very much Abby. The plausibility and guessability of the crimes, it's not like they're eccentric, strange, off the wall, or, you know, like a spoon that bounced off a ferret and killed somebody. This is very plausible, all of them. The ones that I read, uh, both the book form and the movie adaptations uh, were very plausible. They didn't get weirder, you know, humorous or something. Uh, the guessability, uh, you can kind of see 
what the crime, like in the sense, oh yes, there, there's clearly something going on or something's fishy here. Uh, but Kate does a really good job of kind of burying what is the actual original inspiration for having the crime. Like you can see the crime and go, oh yes, this is obviously like, oh, you know, this murder happened or it was due to this person having been a bad person. But it's trying to figure out which of the angry people did it and then what was that original motive and she does a really good job of kind of burying that so that you suddenly find out at the end what was that original impetus that started it because you're seeing the whole crime clearly the entire time as she works through the suspects um but it's really good on how she does it so you have a lot to work through you can't guess it very easily um, my opinion on whether I'd read more in this, um, yes. But this is a very active area in cozy mysteries. There's a lot of florist, gardening, farm-themed, uh, you know, cozies that are out there to get through. Um, so, you know, trying to address one of these major uh, originals in the genre is good, but we're probably going to be a while before we get to come back to this. Um, but she is fun to read. Maybe we can work in uh, like a frond in need for the 4th of July because it's a 4th of July based novel for this series or Missing Under the Mistletoe for our Christmas podcast episode. Maybe we can work her back in by bringing some holidays in. But otherwise, it, it looks like we've got quite a bit to work through before we can come back to Abby. But I'd love to hear in your comments if there's another series you'd like us to touch on for, you know, florals and gardening next time. Uh, we're going to review, I'm going to review books one, three, and four because they matched the titles of the Hallmark movies. So I'm going to get to work through both the book and the movie. Um, book number one is called Mum's the Word, same title as the Hallmark episode one. It was published in 2004. Abby Knight is the proud owner of her hometown flower shop, but a new low-cost competitor is killing her profits and a black SUV just rammed her vintage Corvette in a hit-and-run. She's determined to track down the driver, but when the trail turns deadly, the next flower arrangement might be for her own funeral. So that's the general gist. Now, I found very pleasantly that the book echoed much of what the movie also discussed, you know, set out as far as who the suspects were, the names, the crime... They both echoed each other very well. Um, it's not like it suddenly veered off and they only just took Abby and the setting and then went totally opposite for the movie. Um, they echo each other very well. However, the item at the center of the troubles that Abby discovers does switch. Um, you know, what is causing the whole crux of this matter is shifting between the book and the movie. The actual crime, how it's done, how it's hidden, you know, everything that's going on, who's doing it and why. Echo across both film and page very well but it's just the actual item switches so it'd be it would be good to watch each one and kind of see what you think about how that changes your interpretation of the crime and the situation um you can get a good replication in the movie though if you just want to watch one or just read the book but i would definitely recommend if you're going to do both to read the book first then go to the movie Unless it's been a while since you watched the Hallmark movies and therefore you're kind of a little fuzzy on how did that turn out or what really happened in that episode. Because otherwise you're going to lose a bit of the suspense if you're fresh off of having read the book and watched the episode. For me it had been a while since I had seen the Hallmark um, movies so 
it didn't matter which order I did, but I definitely would say having done both, um, refreshed myself recently, I would recommend starting with a book, um, just so you don't lose any of that suspense if you started first with a movie and then go to the book. Now, uh, book number three is Dearly Departed. It's 2005 publication. Now, this is actually the third movie. So when I get to the movies, this will be the last one we'll mention. It's book number three here. The description is Abby has her hands full at Jillian's wedding, doing triple duty as florist, bridesmaid, and grandma sitter, all while wearing a horrendous floral print that makes her look like a clown. But the real trouble starts when the groom's 90-year-old grandma disappears from the reception. While hunting for her, Abby discovers the body of Jack Snyder, one of the guests, behind the minister's platform in the gazebo. And when Abby's assistant's new boyfriend becomes a suspect, she decides she must find out who killed Jack in the pulpit. Now, having read the books in the order of matching the Hallmark movie titles, that, you know, just to find a way, you know, find an order of figuring out how to do this, might not be the best thing because given both books two and three cover Jillian's engagement, planning for the wedding, the actual wedding ceremony being here in book three, um, you might get more out of it just reading them in order, books one, two, three, and then four. Um, but you can still enjoy and make sense of book number, you know, three and four, uh, even if you read them in the order of the movies. But it probably would help a bit to add in the books with the humor of, you know, Jillian's situation and her character if you got to read them in the order that they were published. So this book, Dearly Departed, is set during the 4th of July. So it's this hot summer. Cousin Jillian is getting married to a wealthy man. There are two murders in this book, but the second murder happens right at the end of the book and tips everything over to figuring out exactly who the murderer is. Um, the criminal is mentally unstable, certainly plausible, but this book does a good job of hiding the possible criminal right until the end. Basically, you're going to sit there and kind of narrow it down to two people, and then suddenly one's going to get eliminated, <laughs> and I, well, basically both of them will get eliminated within just a few pages, and you're going to be just like Abby going, that's both of the people on my list. Who is it? And then suddenly it will become very clear who did it and why. Um, so... A lot of suspense right at the end, a lot of uh, tense thriller moments right at the end, but a lot of humor at the front. So this is a good mix. Fun to read. Um, it's adjusted a pretty good bit in the movie form, which we'll get to. Now, book number four was Snipped in the Bud. This was published in 2006. This description is, Someone orders a black rose for Abby's old law school nemesis, Professor Snapdragon Puffer. But her plans for a speedy delivery are foiled when she he catches her putting the bloom on his desk and sends it straight into the trash. So he just dumps it straight in there. Abby flees in terror due to his you know, verbal harassment and anger, only to run smack into Carson Reed, another professor who recently had her arrested at an animal rights protest. After a biting exchange between the two of them, Abby storms out of the building. But if there's anything she can't stand, it's injustice and bullies. And that is very true. That's the censure you've gotten at this point, having read, you know, three books in the series, getting here to number four. It's definitely the censure getting. 
So even though she knows bad luck comes in threes, she ignores the advice of her sometimes boyfriend, Hunkalicious Marco Salvare, and heads back in to retrieve her dignity and her flower, only to find the rose is now decorating a dead professor, leaving herself as the prime suspect. So this is certainly at this point a different the adjustments after the first book echoing the movie um, fairly well, like both of them being a pretty good match to each other. Book number three and now definitely book number four, uh, things have started diverging from the book. So if you want to keep reading and watching the movies, don't worry. After that first book, you could you could read and watch the movies in whichever order you want to because you're not really going to um, find then the book boring because you know what's exactly going to happen or who's involved because characters are have changed and stuff isn't different enough that um, you're going to be able to enjoy both. Now, characters having not been cast and placed into the TV show definitely means at this point, you know, the Abby having a kind of, you know, a dis- different personality, different age uh, than the movie character, more mishaps and near misses than are shown in the movies. Um, she's definitely at this point developed this trend of protesting against companies she sees as doing bad things. Um, definitely not in the movies, but clearly an emerging trend in the books. Uh you know, if something's wrong, unethical, or cruel, Abby is immediately going to jump in and go against it, you know, without thinking of the consequences and issues, which is where she gets in danger and messes up constantly, and her and Marco have, and her family constantly have to discuss, and her you know, flower shop assistants. So, definitely different, um, but they still retain the crux of the crime, like where it's set, who's involved, um, by the you know in both the movies and the book so it's not completely different but it's got enough character differences you can enjoy both um for book i definitely enjoyed the books and you could get this sense by book number four things were diverging um maybe that's where they kind of stopped doing it after three movies but they were they were still good to do so now let's get to the movies right quick and take a look at them i mentioned several so i'm just going to kind of hit the other comments and highlights i had on watching the movies that go with these books mom's the word first aired january 17th 2016 it's number one in the trilogy um similar situation she's owning a flower shop uh you know suv rams into her her car abby though this time in the hallmark setting is a single mom she doesn't really have any red hair, not even uh, maybe some red highlights. Uh, she's quit law school after working in it, quit law field after working in it for several years. Um, but she quit because her husband died. So she she basically kind of lost interest in the field, didn't feel like she was making a difference anymore. Um, she does not have the extended family of two brothers, their sisters and, you know, the sister-in-laws, uh, a 10-year-old niece, a pesky mother. All of those are not cast into or even verbally mentioned in the uh, Hallmark series. So that that's eliminating a lot of characters that you're really getting attached to in the books by like the fourth book. Um, instead, she has a daughter, Sydney, who is in college. She's a pre-law major, so that kind of helps fill in where the books had Abby you know, just nine, ten months previously, having been in law school now, instead Sydney, the daughter in the Hallmark movies, is the one in law school. She's in law school at the nearby university, same one that's mentioned in the novels. 
bloomers is more successful um, than the you know rocky start that's mentioned in the novels. So that issue of kind of concern is removed. You don't have to constantly hear about that in the movies. Um, but, you know, they're trying to condense it down and get to the crux of the matter because uh, they've got to film it. So that's where reading the books would add a little bit more to it. Her car, she does have an older car, but it's a Mercedes and not a banana yellow 1960 convertible Corvette. Nikki is now the assistant in the shop, not her roommate. And there are, there's, you know, no Lottie and no Grace. So kind of Nikki is having to fill in both of those roles. Um, so they didn't have to cast those three people. They just combined it into one person. The focus is fully because they're trying to condense it down. So everything flows and moves quickly for the one hour. It's fully uh, kind of, you know, solving the crime and the romantic interests. Um, so this Stephanie Plum-esque, you know, possibilities that the novels had isn't going to really be used here because this is being adapted for Hallmark Channel. You know, this is this is not a theatrically, you know, two-hour movie. Um, and this is not for cable, like sort of like the Showtime sort of stuff. This is not Netflix. This is definitely going for... The hallmark, they want the trilogy done. They want it down to the crux of the matter. Um, casting Brooke Shields, so it's gone from a 20-something, you know, five-foot-two-inch red-headed fireball that's in the books to Brooke Shields. Um, so the changes mean that while the crimes and plot do largely stay the same, there are tweaks happening, which is why definitely after the first movie and the first book, it diverge, the divergence is enough that you can enjoy both and not, you know, be blowing your plot and excitement and interest about either. Snipped in the Bud was movie number two, first aired in April 24th, 2016. As you're watching them in order, ironically, it starts with no snow on the ground, and by the third movie, there is a lot of snow on the ground, which is ironic because Dearly Departed in the books was set at 4th of July. Um, but of course, Hallmark has to get them filmed up in British Columbia, where they do a lot of their stuff, so you're going to have snow at some point. Um, the dynamics has shifted in this one for Snipped in the Bud because it's no longer her two former professors and her having quit law school just nine months before, but instead it is a courtroom adversary, someone she had a law case against. Uh, he's, he is a professor, so she does have to go to university. It's the bane of her daughter Sydney's existence because she's in his class. Um, the professor names are different. Kenny, though, is still in the movie, um, but instead of it's where he's doing all this work, instead the sense is Kenny isn't being allowed to do things by Professor Barnes, unlike in the book. Hannah and her grandmother, Aunt B, are combined into one person, but the essentials of the crime, the location, um, and the motive do remain the same. But there's enough of a difference you can enjoy both the book and the movie. However, one of the impacts of not seeing the four sons of Lottie's, uh, she did have quadruplets, um, Abby having been cast older, no dramatic mother and, you know, brothers uh, in this situation. And this is the second film, and it's not set after Dearly Departed, just like the book is, though. So Jillian does not factor into this episode. The tone of the show is definitely shifting from that, at, where you could have gone into a Janet Ivanovich, Stephanie Plum sort of area instead, to a more mature and somber tone. A um, little less humor, a little more suspense. Dearly Departed jumps fully into the Jillian's wedding. Um, it does end just like 
the book does. Um, so maybe they're leaving the door open. They can come back to the series and do some more episodes. That would be nice. Um, books two and three lead up to Jillian's wedding, but Hallmark just does this one episode on it. But they do end it very similarly. Um, Grace and Lottie are not cast, of course, in this Hallmark series. So that does have start having a, the greatest impact by this movie. Because Grace was a key part of Dearly Departed in the books. Um, and Lottie's son provided a lot of the background humor in Dearly Departed when it was in the book form. So it does shift because they're not in there. It is set during the winter. Um, the second murder near the end is of a completely different person than it was in the books, which actually leads to a sadder outcome. Um, the crimes are committed by a culprit, a culprit of the same gender as in the books, but they have a different name. There's been no follow-up and extension of the series, even when the garage sale series um, cancellation happened, that big debacle, um, which led to a lot of expansion of the mysteries. They added new mysteries. They extended a lot of, um, of other series that kind of seemed to have been left in the balance. Brennan Elliott now is, though, in another movie and mystery series, The Crossword Mysteries, so it would be probably hard to bring him back in this role and have him in two simultaneous mystery series. So they might, if they do this again, recast it. Maybe they'd bring Sydney on um, and not have Brooke Shields in there as much to try and make it closer to the books. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, they may bring it back at some point. They certainly left it open to. I'd love to hear what you think about this. Uh, we will be moving on to May. Uh, May is Mystery Month, and it's also National Paranormal Day is at the early start of the month. So we will be working on a different series next month. Hope to see you then. Thanks.